Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Many and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. I don't think today's guest needs a huge amount of introduction, but here goes. Rob Moore is an author of nine business books, five UK bestsellers, holds three world records for public speaking, is an entrepreneur, property investor, and property educator. He is the author of the global bestseller, Life Leverage, host of UK's number one business podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, and has coined a fantastic phrase, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. It's absolutely brilliant to have you as a guest today. Thanks for having me, Leslie. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? Wow. Um, So my money story is like a a wild marriage. I've had one of those. uh, (laughs) Hopefully only one. Only one. Very happily married now for a second time. So... It's had honeymoons and um, children and some challenging times as well. So I'm fortunate enough now to, um, you know, be well off financially. And I've written, actually, I'm writing my 20th book and many of them are on business and money. So I guess I've gone from being a student to being an educator of money. My book, Money, um, is one of the best selling books in the UK on the subject. But in 2005, I was broke and I was 50 grand in debt. And my relationship with money, my story of money then was all wrong and negative and warped by society and my upbringing. And I I really did think that money made you a bad person and it changed you for the worse. And I thought that in order to be rich, you either had to be lucky or born into royalty or or wealth, or that you had to do illegal things and be a criminal or a drugs dealer. I was convinced that this was the only way to make money. And of course, with that belief, assuming you want to be a good person and you don't want to be those things, you're always going to repel money because you're never going to want to be that. And if you think to make what it takes to make money is being that, well, then you'll just settle for being broke. And that was my story. For 25 years. Well, obviously, while I was sort of in my adult life. And then on December the 15th, 2005, my dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub and he was beaten up by the police and sectioned and it was in front of all of his customers. And, 
you know, I was 50 grand in debt and my dad had worked really hard his whole life and made some money and lost it and made some money and lost it. He'd put me through school. He'd put me through university. He'd always supported me. First house, first car, you know, but I couldn't get out of this broke mindset and this victim. I was a victim, Leslie, because I thought that, you know, the world was against me and life was unfair. And, you know, the monetary system was unfair. To a certain degree, it is, but that's not the attitude you want to have. And but yet I'd been raised by an entrepreneurial dad. But then the school system, I think, had beaten all of that entrepreneurial flair out of me. And after December the 15th, with desperation and shame, I started taking my life much more seriously and started to just, um, because I had nothing more to lose, I thought, well, I've just got to try. And I went to a property networking event and I met my business partner there who I've been with for 17 years. And we struck it off. And I started to learn about successful people and money and property and business because my circle started to change. And I realized that the story that I believe was the truth about money was a story of fiction created in my own mind by my upbringing and media and society. And that there was a different story that could be told. And that was that, you know, billionaires give away billions in wealth. And, you know, many of the great schools and libraries that have been built have been built by, you know, Carnegie and Vanderbilt. And that, you know, Warren Buffett is giving billions to charity and that you can make money and do good in the world. And that actually making money, anyone can be successful, even if you're starting broke. You know, if you have a good idea, if you work hard, if you start a company, if you take some risk, um, if you get around the right people and get the right knowledge, that things can change. And so I started to change my mindset. I started to change my environment. And, and so then my story started to change. And if you fast forward to now, you know, my story around money is I love money. I write books on money. I think money is abundant. I think that there, anyone in the world can, can make a good living from themselves. I think money is a brilliant tool you know, for leverage mm -hmm. and um, speed of, of transacting and living, I think that we all deserve to be rich. And, and it's our responsibility, though, to make sure that we take what is ours and what we deserve. And, you know, I've done more than 200 million in sales since, and I have 340 property units, rental units, and the 1,350 plus tenants. And my company that I'm sat here in might do 23 million in sales this year. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm just starting. I've had the old story and the new story. So my story is changing all the time. It's writing itself. And I think that's one of the things I really learned about the story of money is that you can write your own story. Um, you can write your own autobiography while you're alive because money is not what it is. It is what you make it. It is the yeah. meaning that you put on it. And so th that's the short version um, of my story around money. I love money. I have a love affair with money. Um, and, you know, I think we can all do good in the world with more money. Money is the fuel for all good, not just the root of all evil. Absolutely. Absolutely. What lesson do you wish that you had learned quicker about money? That money is simply a tool. Because what we do is we, we take money and we judge. Yeah. So I always carry about a grand on me. You never know when you might need it, sometimes a bit more. And even me just pulling out a grand in my pocket 
will Im- immediately trigger people to judge me. But let's think about this polymer. It's not even cotton anymore. It's a polymer. We think that this is everything, when in fact, this is a universal medium of exchange, a unit of account, a store and value of worth. It is a tool. It does not judge. It does not love. It does not hate. It is not conscious. Um, And humanity creates tools to make life easier. I'll give you an example of one, um, Leslie, a hammer. Now, here's the thing with a hammer. A hammer is a really good tool. It's a pretty good invention. It solves quite a lot of problems. Number one is you can hammer in a nail with a hammer much easier than if you were to try and do it with your hand. Then if you make a mistake, you can lever out a nail with a hammer much more easily than with your fingernails. But here's the thing. You can also take that hammer and you can smash someone's skull in. Yeah. But what we don't do, society doesn't go, hammers are evil. Let's, you know, put a hammer on, on trial. We know it's a tool. Yeah. And it's how the human uses the tool as to the purpose and the functionality of the tool. It's exactly the same with money. It's just a tool. Yet society judges and, you know, religious dogma states that the love of money is the root of all evil. No, 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 no. Money is a tool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Humanity is the root of all evil. And what we do with it. Yeah, totally agree with you. So you mentioned there about money being you people use money to judge others. Did you ever feel judged for money? Do you feel, do you worry now about being judged for the amount of money that you have? Okay. So um two questions there. Do I ever feel judged? Yeah. And do I worry about being judged? Yeah. But the answer is yes and no. Yeah. So do I feel judged? Yes, because we all judge. You're judging me, I'm judging you, every watcher and listener is judging. Do I like these people? Do I like the conversation? Is it worth my time? Are they good people? Can I learn from them? Um, So we're all judging all the time. But what a judgment is, is it's a a mind read of a situation that that we don't have all the information from. Because by the way, once you know people for many years, it's not a judgment. It's information. It's knowledge. So we, we judge to stay safe. Oh, are they a threat? Are they safe? So people judge all the time. So yes, I feel judged because people judge all the time. Do I have a problem with being judged? No, because we all judge. And people are like, oh, well, you know, people are so judgmental. Well, judgmental people are judgmental. We all judge. So it's normal. Yeah. And that's, this is why we judge money, because yeah. we all judge. Now, am I worried about it? No. Because we all do it. So if we all do it, why should I be worried about it? And look, Leslie, you're going to judge me if I'm poor and you're going to judge me if I'm rich. So I might as well be fucking rich because if you're going to judge me anyway, (laughs) I might as well be rich, happy, doing good in the world because I'm going to get judged anyway. So no, I don't. It doesn't bother me at all because it's what humans do. Now, look, Leslie, I want to share this with you because I've not shared this in many places, but I think this is a brilliant exercise for people to do when it comes to money judgment. So what you have to realize, I believe, you know, as one of the most prominent authors on money in this country, I believe that you have to understand what money is and what your relationship with it is. 
if you want to be successful and rich, of course, if you don't carry on being ignorant. And money is not what you think it is, but money is what you think it is. And what I mean by that is, what it actually is, most people get wrong. But what you think it is, is real to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So it is, and it isn't what you think it is. It's mm-hmm. a bit of a paradox, but bear with me. So I'm going to do you an exercise. Everyone should do this to test if you've got good relationship and good beliefs around money or not. So everyone, stop. If you're in the car, stop and just do this exercise. Imagine you go to the best house in your town or city or village, you know, on the best street. You're driving the car down the best street and you stop outside the best house and have a look at it. You know, is it a mansion? Does it have a load of land? How many cars are in the drive? Have a look and see it in your mind. And then ask yourself, Who owns that house? And now think about what kind of person owns that house. Do that. I'll give everyone a few seconds to do that. Okay. Because here's here's the thing. You don't know who owns that house. You don't know where that house is. It's a fictional exercise. Yet in your mind, you just painted a picture of the kind of person that's rich. So now I would ask everyone to think about What picture did they paint in their mind, i.e. what fantasy did they create? Now, 17 years ago, I'd have parked outside there and gone, well, that's where the drug dealer lives down there. And, you know, that that greedy, evil bastard in there. No wonder he's got dogs to protect from his criminality. And and this would be, well, I didn't know, I don't know who lives in the house. But now I'd assume, okay, well, that's probably an entrepreneur taking a lot of risk, you know, struggled a lot. They might have built their way up. They might have been born in Peterborough all the way up from the worst house to, to the best house. They probably know something. I better knock on the door and see what they can teach me, which is true. Well, neither, because we're just doing a fictional exercise. But or, what, you, what, yep. you think, what you think about the person who lives in that house is what you think about money. And can also be what you think about yourself in terms of what you are capable of achieving and reflecting into that image what you don't think you're necessarily capable of of being, of earning, of owning as well. So I definitely think that our relationship with money is a real reflection of our relationship with ourselves and our insecurities. And I am sure for lots of people listening there through that exercise, lots of their insecurities will have come up with regards to that relationship. Yeah, I think you're, you make a good point there, Leslie. For example, someone could go, well, I could never own a house like that. And, um, you know, they must have had really rich parents or, um, and they, yeah, they could put themselves down in the process. Um, Because I believe that the universe is a mirror and it reflects back to you what you put out to it. Um, And so if, you know, I say that self-worth equals net worth. So if you have low self-worth, you have low net worth. If you're not confident in yourself, you're not going to attract confident people. So you're absolutely right. The, the, The exercise of who lives in the house is actually like putting a mirror in front of yourself and asking you, what do you believe about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What would you do if for whatever reason, all of your wealth was taken away from you tomorrow? Um, 
I would find the bastards <laughs> and try and get it back. <laughs> you know, of course, the stock answer to this question is, you know, well, you can take my money, but you can't take my knowledge. And I would start again with the knowledge I've got and I would grow 10 times as quick. And that is also true. Yeah. But I'd also have to figure out what am I doing wrong? Why is all my money disappearing? Do I need to fix certain problems? Do I need to move? You know, if, if all my money is going in tax, do I need to move to Lisbon or Dubai? So I like to think that I'd be self-aware enough to figure out if I figured out what can help make me money, I've got to be able to figure out what's losing me mm. money. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. And from, from your perspective, given the success that you have had to date, what drives you now? What keeps motivating you to do what you do in terms of you've written 20 books? I know you've got several more books that are, are coming out soon. You've done so many podcast episodes. You've interviewed so many people. What keeps you wanting to get up in the morning and do what you do? Well, I think that life is amazing and there's so much to experience in life. And maybe, we, maybe we're here for eternity or maybe we're here for 85 years or maybe we're here for less. I don't know. And I'm not going to risk chilling and doing nothing to find out that I've wasted my entire existence. So I want to live a meaningful life. I want to live it to its fullest. Um, and I want to help as many people on this planet get better financial education and knowledge. And I want to make an ever increasing amount of money. And I want to be an ever increasing important person and do an ever increasing amount of good in the world and challenge myself to grow every day, to always hope and aspire to be better tomorrow than I am today. This is life. I just want to live it. Yeah. And what's the hardest thing for you? What have you not achieved yet that you, you hope you will be able to, but you've not necessarily got the confidence you will? I really want to launch my OnlyFans, but I'm finding, <laughs> I'm finding that really hard. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, this is a good question. Um, I, I'm a bit of a go-getter in that whatever I want and need in my life, I'll go and get it. So I don't really feel any scarcity or or lack and anything I might make a mistake on, I try and do my best and try not to live in the past and live in regret. Probably just more of what I'm trying to achieve. You know, for example, you know, my podcast is nearly a thousand episodes. Rob.team has nearly 10,000, you know, all time members. I've written now, I'm writing my 20th book um, and constantly trying to get better and sell more books and get more members of Rob.team and go more viral on social media. So it's not always about doing new things I've not tried. I don't really want to do too many more new things. There's just too many things to do. You, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So at the moment, maybe our biggest challenge is staffing within the business because there's been a bit of a culture shock since lockdown. And I don't think the, the work culture is anything like it was three years ago. I think that's been ruined by the government. So that's a challenge. And also, you know, social media and trying to maintain relevance and virality and engagement when you've got a lot of the young kids that are smashing it because they probably know the Internet better than an old bastard like me. Um, and because the algorithms change all the time. And, we're you know, we had a, a brand meeting today and we're reevaluating re our strategy for about the 18th time in the last four years to evolve with ever-changing social media. So, you know, these are ongoing challenges that I have. But 
to me, that's also fun and exciting to do. We're going to interview John Fury tomorrow. We've been trying to sort out getting the flight so we can go and see Will I Am in um, San Francisco. Oh, you were just, I love him. I love yeah, him. Yeah, he's brilliant. Mm. And, you know, we're just, we're just always trying to um, hustle and make shit happen. Which is amazing because I know you've retired, I believe, several times. So clearly retirement doesn't suit you, that you enjoy yeah. doing what you do. Yeah, retirement isn't for me. I think retiring for me is not stopping. It's doing something else. I will be back after this short break. Financial awareness is not taught in enough schools, which means children are not receiving the level of information needed to help them become money savvy. With 87% of 11 to 18-year-olds saying they have limited knowledge about managing money, only four in 10 children and young people saying they've had some financial education at school and research demonstrating that those who don't receive financial education as a child are more likely to be unemployed or earning less today than those who did. This is why I have developed the Money and Mindset Made Simple for Teenagers online self-paced programme to help our children to empower their knowledge of and relationship with money. As a parent, you want to equip your children with the essential life skills to allow them to thrive in today's fast-moving world. So go to the show notes to access full details for the programme. If you are a school or institute that would like to use the programme under licence, then reach out directly to me via email leslie at themoneyconfidenceacademy.com. Now, let's return to the show. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, we feel exactly the same. I think once you're doing what you really enjoy doing, and this is what really motivates me to do what I do, is I really believe we spend so many time, so much of our time working, we really need to find something we enjoy doing rather than something we endure purely because of the paycheck that's the, at the end of it. Yeah, life's too short. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I know your catchphrase is if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. What is it you are prepared to risk to keep doing what you do? I'm certainly prepared to risk ridicule. I'm prepared to risk judgment. I'm prepared to spend lots of money, not all my money, but lots of money. Um, yeah. What, what more is there to risk? I, I'm not prepared to risk um, my next everything. Yeah. Not prepared to risk and sacrifice, for example, a good family life. You know, I mostly work from home. And um, I want to be around my, my when my kids are 18 and 20, they'll be gone. And I wish they were back. So I'm actually not, you know, many people in entrepreneurship is like, you've got to do whatever it takes and you've got to make all these sacrifices. I am not prepared to not see my kids grow up. So it's, it's, yes, entrepreneurs have a good risk appetite, but there are things I'm not prepared to risk either. Um, but you know what? I take lots of risks, risks of security, risks of um, judgment and reputation with our content. You know, some of our guests, Jordan Peterson, David Icke, Katie Hopkins, Andrew Tate, you know, these are risky guests who we could be cancelled and shut down. 
and you know my content around what's wrong with the world and and, and how I think that you know many things like the tax system and and the debt and who controls the world is really wrong. But I'm prepared to risk to stand up for things that are right. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm prepared to take some risks. And given what is going on, you know, in the world currently, and the nervousness lots of people are feeling with regards to the economic situation, etc. What advice would you? And this is an opportunity for me for you to be on my platform and for you to to talk to my listeners with regards to you're a successful man, you are very wealthy, you have an extremely successful platform. What would be your advice to people listening to this to successfully navigate their way through what is going on right now? I would say um, number one, learn how to build independent personal wealth. And I can talk about that if you want. Number two would be make sure that you are a free, independent, critical thinker. So it's like your mind and your money. So the problem with society and media right now is there's so many media platforms. There's so much propaganda in mainstream media. And there's so much power and control from Blackguard, who are Vanguard and BlackRock, <laughs> um, that it's very easy to roll over and become a sheep and not have an independent mind. So I just did a live today. It's going wildly viral right now. And in the title, I put, I was a coward, but not anymore. And what I did is I discussed the seven or eight great scams in the world, the monetary system, mm. debt, taxes, the food industry, the, the health industry, mental health, wokeism, media, you know, yada, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah. Um, and I challenged everyone who was on to be critical and independent in your thought process and stand up and speak out for things that are so clearly right or wrong for humanity. And I think we must continue to do this because otherwise, in the end, we roll over and accept our fate. And that's no way to live. And we put these people in power. And if we don't speak up, we're not holding them accountable. So, we, you know, imagine if five billion people went, this is wrong. Things would change. Yeah, absolutely. But you, that has to start with you. Mm. But that's a risk. Because you can get cancelled, shut down and, you know, all of this. So that's one thing. And then managing your finances really well. So learning about money, learning about the difference between good and bad debt, investing in assets that produce recurring income, using your social media as a, an asset to generate multiple streams of income, investing in the right things that aren't controlled by government and aren't, you know, state pension. One, you know, that's just nothing. Private pension, they charge one and a half percent management fees a year. That's nearly 40 percent over 20 years. Yeah. Build your own pension, invest in property, invest in gold. And this is why I write so many books. I mean, I've just finished Money Matrix. I'm just writing Money Loves You because once you're independently, personally wealthy, you have freedom and autonomy and control as much as one can have in the world that we live in. These are the two things I think it's vital that you do. Yeah. 
And do you feel comfortable being disruptive or do you feel you should be disruptive because of the position that you're in? Um, I, I would say it depends. So, you know, I feel comfortable being on social media, being interviewed, doing talks, lives, going out on the street and talking to people and getting rejected. And, and I feel comfortable being an entrepreneur. I do. Do I feel fully comfortable? Maybe what some would deem to be doing exposés on, you know, very powerful influences in the world. Not really. That makes me feel a bit uncomfortable because on the one hand, I think I, I am doing real good and I am helping people. And on the other hand, I think maybe I'm, you know, like a little bit of a, a, a gnat on their testicles and, you know, are they going to squash me? I don't know. I mean, it depends how big one gets. And um, so, yeah, that is to a certain degree that can make you feel uncomfortable. I think you have to have a clear set of values and I think you have to, to do what's right or what you believe to be right. And I think that this disgusting taxation and the, the NHS being completely underfunded and a massive mess and the lockdown and one trillion um, of our pounds wasted and you know, how we're all being poisoned and fed sugar and how the 40% of the nation is overweight and then how we're diagnosed and given drugs that sort out the symptoms but not the problem when really it's pretty simple, isn't it, to manage your weight, do 20,000 steps a day, go to the gym regularly, eat well, move a lot, it, you know, um, eat equal amount of calories to what you burn and you won't put on anyway. Yeah. Eat, eat consciously and eat good food. But the problem is this doesn't, this doesn't make billion-dollar corporations. And, and I think this information is really important. But, yeah, I, I, it, it does make me somewhat uncomfortable at times talking about this and writing about this and having a big platform. You know, a lot of people say, Rob, you've got a big platform. You've got to use it. And I'm using it, and they applaud me for that. Yeah. But a lot of people are like, Rob, be careful, because this is how Andrew Tate started, and look at him now. and. You know, I think about that. Look, I, I'm not out for gunning anyone. I just want the world to be a better place. And I just think that, you know, we should be doing the right thing for humanity. And those that are need to be supported. And those that aren't need to be held to account. Many of the politicians that ran our country in lockdown should be in prison now. Instead, yep. they're earning £150,000 an hour in a keynote speech. There's no accountability. Yeah. It's wrong. It's criminal. 1% of all theft in um, the UK gets prosecuted. I know, 1%. Theft is basically legal now. That's wrong. Yeah. This shit is wrong. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah that does – I think it must be said. Because if I don't say it and people who have a platform don't say it, no one will say it. Yeah. No, totally but, uh, agree. Uh, yeah, that, it, but it's a, it, it's a bit scary. I've got children. I've got yeah. a family. I'm a, a, a normal human. You know, I don't, I don't want to be cancelled. I don't want to be assassinated. So does the responsibility of having that platform, of being in the position you are, does that make you uncomfortable? Yes and no. Yeah. I, I like having the responsibility of being a successful human and being valuable. I like that. I, I, want, to, I want the responsibility. And, of course, it's my choice what I say. You know, I've just got to keep doing what I think is right and then navigating the world accordingly. And 
if I'm b- becoming a bit of a nuisance to the system, I'm sure they'll let me know. <laughs> and then I've got to make a decision, haven't I? Yeah. M- maybe there's a way I can be valuable and rein it in slightly. Or maybe I need to double down and do it even more. I don't know. I'm, I'm just always, you know, finding Curious. out these things. Yeah. And how do you think we make the impact that we need to make to turn around all these things that many of us are not comfortable with? Can we do it or is it going to be incumbent on our children to do it? No, I think all change starts with you. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, All change starts with you. Humanity collectively has to take responsibility, but that's a collective group of 8 billion individuals. We put the people in power. We must be responsible for holding them to account. So, no, it's not our children's responsibility. It's ours here and now. We must take responsibility. We must be the change we want to see in the world. Yeah. We must lead by example. Yeah. Yeah. And um, not enough people do. And would you extend that to us being the change we need to see, but also ensuring as parents, when we are parenting, that we reflect that to our children as well, so that responsibility ripples through as a norm rather than as a reaction to what's going on around us? Yeah, because if I'm saying the change needs to start with us, that is all of us. Yeah. So you can't go, oh, the change needs to start with me and then not instill that same ethic into your children. Because this is the problem. A lot of people are raising kids to be um, participating rather than competing and, um, you know, a little bit weak and woke. We have to, I believe, uh, look, parenting is hard and complicated. And, you know, I'm no guru and even the gurus aren't gurus. Children are a great challenge. They're also amazing. What I think great parenting is, my humble opinion of this, is preparing our children to be able to adapt and evolve to our changing world, i.e. we make our children most ready for life. Too much support and weakness and wokeism means they're going to get a massive culture shock when they get out in the real world and it breaks them. And of course, too much hardship and abuse, you know, beats our children down and ruins them. So we need to equally support and challenge them. We need to make them as independent, not dependent, and as mature, not immature, as we possibly can, knowing that it's a hard job. So anything we can do to teach our world, how our children, how the world really is, not a fantasy, not that it's harder than it is or easier than it is, but it is how it is. And so things like, being personally responsible and understanding that money is a tool and it's something that you, you can go and earn if you um, learn the ethics and values and skills required. This is how we should be raising our children. But the problem is we're raising our children to be reflections of ourselves. Now, it's difficult because, you know, there's my wife and she's got strong values and she's trying to raise her, her kids, which are also mine, with those strong values. And then there's me. And I have very clear and different values. And I'm trying to raise my kids that way. And that's a conflict, potentially. And then the kid just wants to be themselves. And then they go to school and the teachers are trying to imprint and impose their beliefs. And then the media is imprinting and imposing its beliefs. And so our children have got this 
massive influence coming from all sides and they're just trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. And that's a challenge. And so as a family unit, you want to try and be in some kind of unison and work together and get the best of both of, you know, what you bring as a parent. This is why, you know, obviously divorce is really hard because you divorce and then there's, you know, other people that are getting involved in raising your children. Yeah. And this is, you know, one of the reasons why we're so messed up, you know, the breaking of the family unit means, uh, you know, that um, children are now either not being raised or being raised by four or five different people, not two. And then because affordability is so bad, you need two incomes to get a mortgage now, not one. So now both parents are having to work. So so the children are are often not being raised or raised by nannies or being chucked into nursery. And and it's all linked. Yeah, interesting. No, I don't disagree with you. So last question. What would... Rob today say to Rob who was £50,000 in debt because there will be people listening to this podcast who feel very uncomfortable with the level of debt they are in right now so the advice you would give to your yourself I think would be really helpful I would say you can do this you're good enough you're more than capable you have the hustle um you've learned a lot of things in your life you're a very valuable person Get out there, don't give up, figure out what you're good at and work on that and get better at that. And soon enough, you'll get the rewards. That, that's what I would say. I, I, I don't think the younger me had enough belief in myself. Right. And I think that is the thing that I think as parents, as adults, as as schools, et cetera, that is, that is one of the things that we really clearly need to be working on because I agree with you I think self-belief is more important than a lot of the knowledge that is is given to children because with self-belief you can do anything you can learn anything you can go and find the right teachers but it's having that confidence to go and be curious to ask those questions to to not be concerned about how other people might judge you So I think that's a really good message. So before we finish, I know you are writing a number of books on your favourite subject and my favourite subject at the moment. So can you share a little bit more about that, the timeline, what's happening? Yeah, so um, I've just finished Money Matrix, um, but it needs to go to the publishers. They need to edit it. So it's going to be mid-2024 by the time that's out. I'm doing a bit of a cheeky and I'm writing another book money loves you and i'm trying to get that out at the end of 2023 so lots of writing going on so how yes. can people connect with you rob well i'm really easy to find because if you just t- search my name rob moore into any social media channel into google on amazon you'll find my books my podcasts and everything um you know where we uh, connect often leslie is in, in rob.team you know, so I have a, a platform called Rob.team. I think it's really important that people understand now that you need your own platforms because you can get cancelled from social media at any time. So if people want a guaranteed way to consume content from me, to stay engaged in the community, Rob.team is my platform to help people start and scale their business, make, manage and multiply money. And um, it's less than 22 pence a day. You can cancel any time, no ongoing contract. So 
If you just type in R-O-B.T-E-A-M, I think that's probably out of all, that's probably the best place to connect with me because I control that platform. Um, you know, I have three hundred and five and a half thousand people on Facebook and sometimes 5,000 people see my content. What about the 300 other thousand people? So to co- connect with me, it's Rob.team. Brilliant. And those details will, of course, be in the show notes so people can easily find you if for whatever reason they don't remember the name Rob Moore, which I'm sure will not happen. (laughs) So thank you very, very much for coming on today. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, And as I say, a big thank you again. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Leslie. Take care. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.